Before we get going here today, I'd be remiss if I didn't chat a little about what is going on in the world today. Crazy times for all of us. And I want to give a shout out to the people on the front line, of course, our doctors, nurses, healthcare people, but also the people at the grocery store, the hardware store, at the restaurants, the delivery people. And I want to give special love to the people in the hospitality business, musicians, event planners. It's been such an unprecedented time in our history and such a brutal time for self-employed people especially. Anyway, my love goes out to you. I know we'll make it through this. Please be safe. I wish your family's health, love, and thank you again for spending an hour with us. All right, back to business. If you enjoy this podcast, do me a favor. Wherever you got this podcast, please go back there, leave us a rating, and how about leaving us a review as well? And what that does is it raises awareness so more people can come to the party and enjoy this podcast as well. We'd also love to have you along for the ride as our partner. You want to help us put on this show? Go to patreon.com forward slash music on the run podcast. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash music on the run podcast. And you can financially support all aspects of this podcast. You get a lot of cool stuff in return. All the information's on that site. And we sure would appreciate it. Okay, on to the interview. Hey everybody, St. Paul here and welcome to episode 13 of Music on the Run. And this is our first Zoom interview from the famous Peterson basement here. Almost 60 years worth of music has been played and made down here for my mom and dad, my brothers and sisters. So we're, uh, we're having fun. We are hunkered down and we are safe and I hope you are too. My next guest is a singer, an actor, a dancer, a producer, a television, a radio personality. The guy does it all. He entered show business at the uh, tender age of five by joining his older brother's group, earning him so many top 10 singles and gold records. And he has also had an incredible solo career and one with some sister of his. But we'll talk about that later. Welcome, please, my dear buddy, Donnie Osmond. How Hello, are you, Paul brother? Peterson. I'm good. How, How are you? I'm good. Where are you during this quarantine? I am in my vocal booth in my home. This is where I, I've been recording um, for years. What are you actually. recording? What's, what, tell me what you're up to. What's keeping you busy? I'm recording my 62nd album, if you can believe that one. I'm trying How do you to beat Elvis. Uh, well, you know, it's one a year since I was born. I came out of the womb <laughs> with a recording contract. <laughs> and so that was record one. No, uh, I think, I was doing an interview the other day, and this guy told me that, uh, and I, I haven't done the research, I think he's right, the only two people that have beat me is Elvis and um, Frank Zappa, and they're both dead, so I can beat them. <laughs> yeah, you have you that you have going for you. I got going for me. I so. thought Slim Whitman might have you beat, but not well, Slim Whitman. I, but that's a whole other category. Of music. Have I told you yeah. lately? We no? we don't we don't want to sing that way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. okay. Uh, so I get. How's your family? First of all, let's let's. Everybody's doing great. Uh, are you talking about my sibling family or my my wife and children and grandchildren? Well, well, let's talk about your immediate family: your wife and your children and your grandchildren. Everybody's great. My wife and I are about to celebrate our 
42nd anniversary. No. On, yeah. Yeah. So That's unbelievable. Um, we're going to go up to Sundance. They had this this little thing and we tried it the other day. It's called um it's called a, a cafe. Hold on. Let me look at my It's it's really cool. It's really cool. Wait, hold on it, a second. A car cafe. It's called oh, oh, sorry. the Car Cafe at Sundance. So because of the coronavirus, uh, mm-hmm. all the restaurants are closed. So you yep. make a reservation online, and you drive up. They have a little parking spot for you. You can't get out of your car, uh, but they bring the food to you. It's like you're in the restaurant, but you're in your car. It is so good. The scenery up there, you've been to Sundance. Yeah, of course. So that's a you know what pretty, we should do? We but, should set up a stage and do a concert there. But drive in concerts. Come on, baby. Butting. How fun would that be? That would I tell be you what, I'm done, eh? Okay, you want to set it up, but I'm being done. Have you seen your, not your wife, but you've seen your wife. How about your children? Have you have they been able to come over for a socially distant visit, or how does yes. that work? For yeah, you? We, we, we try to keep it as small as possible, and they all visit at different times. Yep. But, like, for instance, uh, well, yesterday, my brother Jimmy brought his, uh, his family over. We made sure it wasn't over 10. And, yeah, right, uh, of course. But... But my kids come over. My grandkids come over. I have this piece of property next to my house, and uh, I put fruit trees in there. You haven't been here since I did this, but there's a just it was a blank canvas when I was there last. Right. Well, there are fruit trees now, and each tree is named after one of my grandkids. So when they come, say, "Grandpa, we got to go see my tree." So I got apple, and I got peach, and I got cherry, and I got all kinds of stuff. Oh my! But it's so important for them to go visit their tree when they come see Grandpa. And grandma. How many how many grandchildren do you have now? Uh seventy two. <laughs> <laughs> They've been busy. Those those mom and siblings of you. This is quite interesting. This is interesting, Paul. Uh Debbie and I had five boys and um out of the ten uh, no girls, out of the ten grandkids, only one's a girl. So we that's, have nine grandsons and one granddaughter. That's unbelievable. Who's got the granddaughter? Jeremy. My second. Does son. he Give him my love, please. I will. All your kids. I miss your kids. I remember them when they were kids. Now they're oh, not yeah. kids anymore. <laughs> they're not kids. Golly. No. Families Don, of their own. And Don Everybody's was, is living down, uh, his family's living down in Austin, Texas. Great place to live. And the rest of them here, uh, pretty close here in Utah. No, a lot of people won't know this because they're coming from uh, a health uh, point of view and or a running crowd you and i are old buddies we go way back and probably a lot of people listening and watching right now they don't understand that we're almost like brothers totally uh, you were my music director when soldier of love came out i mean we did the whole soldier of love tour together and and so many memories on stage and just just a lot of fun i was going through some pictures the other day and i'm sure oh, that's wait. like oh, look at this look you have something dug out oh my goodness there's <gasps> There's, Can you see that? I don't know if the glare is bad. That's the castle tour, wasn't it? Yeah, with two of your, your boys. Um, yeah. Tommy on guitar, JP, Frankie. Frank. Frankie. Frank Velarde. Frank Velarde. <laughs> that was the most interesting tour bus on planet Earth. We had oh a my Mormon, a, a, a Catholic. A, a, and a Jew. A Jew. Yeah. We had an evangelist. We had a... Uh, 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 um, it was a great. Well, we had the greatest conversations, and that's the way were, it should be. Everybody was totally respectful of each other. That's the way uh, it should be. Yeah. Frank, yeah. what happens to the mystical body when you die? You're dead. You're, you're dead. <laughs> I, I'll never forget that. He said, "You're dead." 
Dad, Jason dad. is such an instigator. My nephew Jason happened to be on the road with us at the same time, and Jason John likes to cattle prod a little bit. Yeah, and uh, it just made such In for fact, such good. You got to tell Schmangy. I said hi. I call I call him Schmangy. Tell Jason I said hi. One I of the will. songs that we worked on uh, is potentially going to make the album. I've written like really? 40, 40, 45 songs, something like that, 50 songs. And, you know, the hardest process is narrowing it down to those 10 or 12. Oh, and, yeah. And one of them right now that uh, Schmangy and I worked on uh, could make the album. Oh, man, that's great. He'll love to hear that. But I'll yeah. tell him, but you better call him yourself. Oh, I'll He'd call love him. to hear that. I'll idea. call him. Absolutely. Do you, do you remember when we met? Do you? I, I mean, I do. Do we want to talk about this in public? <laughs> I think it's time because I'm writing a, a book called Living with Donny Osmond. I just oh my God. No, I don't, re I don't remember the moment. What was that? So he, I, I was kind of meeting with your producers at the time. You were just finishing up with Carl Sturkin and Evan Rogers. I was signed, you were signed to Capitol, I believe, and I think I was either signed to Capitol or on my way over to Atlantic as, Saint as Paul. a solo artist. You were... So I went into the studio. You were sitting on your head on a couch. Mm -hmm. You were inverted, as mm -hmm. usual. I didn't that know this like yet. sounds like what I would be doing. And I met you, and it was like we had been buddies for our entire lives. It was just yeah. like, who are you? Oh, yeah, <laughs> you're that guy. But I, I'll never forget it. It was an immediate connection, and we hung out, and, and uh, that, that's what I remember. It was, it was uh, with Evan and Carl. Evan Carl, they York. wrote and produced uh, Soldier of Love and Sacred Emotion. Talented guys. In fact, they, uh, they're pretty much responsible for uh, discovering Rihanna. Did you know that? I do know that. Mm -hmm. I do know that. Isn't that, man, what a career that girl has had. Oh, my goodness. Woo. Yeah. So, I, do you when, remember? When Umbrella first came out, I remember when Umbrella, I, I would listen to it over and over and over again. Did I, they I couldn't write stop. that? I, I hope so. I oh, I hope so. I think so. Would you like yeah. me to find out? Yes. Because th they're so talented. Ask me some other questions. Do you remember the out. name of the song that we produced on your nephews after we met? Oh, I don't. Okay. Uh, what was that called? I'm gonna, uh, maybe we'll give you a little. How about? Gonna wait on love. I'll wait on love. Just took a chance and you will see. Dum, do, 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 never. There you go. Great song. Great song. No, that was they, so much fun. They did not write Umbrella. Sean Carter. Dang it, man. Yeah. Well, that's but not fun. Well, I'm glad that they're good. Uh, what the heck? Oh, you know what? Um, let's talk about your, uh, our similarities. We, I mean, we both have musical families. You're not the youngest. You are, where do you fit Se in? Seventh of nine. Seventh of nine. So Jimmy and Marie are behind you. Correct. Uh, they are the younger than you. So you yep. had an absolutely super normal childhood. As normal as you can be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's, you're, pre yeah, it's been pretty well documented things. how abnormal, or as, as the movie says, Abby Normal. Abby Normal. Life, Abby Normal. Uh, one of my favorite movies. Um, but um, I did, I survived... Uh, the whole world of show business as best I could. And yeah. no, I never went to school. I, um, I did everything through correspondence. 
I, w- I went to a high school in Chicago that I've never been to. I, I went through grade, grade school in Baltimore, uh, Calvert School that I've never been to. Uh, so I had a lot of pen pals, and they were all teachers. <laughs> that was Wait, how I got my schooling. Yeah, well, I did go to the second grade for two weeks. And the si- a- si- sixth grade for two weeks, and, and one semester of college at Brigham Young University, and that's that's really all. So, uh, if you wear my shoes and go through that kind of experience, you understand yeah. how difficult it is to have a social life. There really is none. And then add on top of that, I would go into to these concerts in arenas and th- just packed places, literally thousands and thousands of yeah. screaming girls, and then immediately followed by complete silence at the hotel room. I mean, you go from one extreme to the other, and that really messes with your head. I'm not going to go into all the details, but it's uh, someday no, no. I've got to write a book and maybe write it with a psychologist, psychiatrist, excuse me, whatever it is. Psychologist? Psychiatrist. Because well, you it, should because – no, I'm go ahead. It, it, is, it would be a, such an interesting case study to figure out how I got through all that stuff, and I, I owe it to my mom and dad. They were, sure. They were the best, and my faith. Were they musical, Donnie, your mom and dad? Well, my dad uh, knew how to harmonize, and he was in a choral group, uh, nothing professional. My mom knew how to play the saxophone. So she that was my first instrument, was a B-flat soprano sax. We and played I, saxophone on the road together. We did. I faked I, it, I, and you didn't. I, no, I, I faked <laughs> it, too. But I had the you, little soprano. You did the tenor, didn't you? My uncle's tenor from the 1930s. Yeah, that was so amazing. And then Schmaggy was was playing as well. Was he? I think he, he was played on the alto. alto. Yeah. yeah, and he can play. Oh, he can play. So that was okay. your first instrument was saxophone because of your mom. That's right. But we would uh, harmonize. When I say we, it was really my older brothers because I was so young when the whole show business thing started. I wasn't part of the group, and right. I watched my brothers on the Andy Williams show, and I thought. Man, man, that looks like fun. I didn't know how much work was involved until I right. got into it. But I learned to sing, I guess, through osmosis or just being around my brothers and learning the harmonies and, and just plunking mm-hmm. it out on the piano. And uh, I was watching a... Um, do you know who Jacob Collier is? No. One okay. of my favorites. He's a, he's an alien, by the way. They just discovered that. I agree. He's an alien. I, yeah. I don't know what planet he comes from, but... Uh, the, the I want to visit har- there sometime. The planet of harmony. But I was yeah, he's something to, else. Oh, but he went to, to a, a level that I, I know I kind of related to. I mean, I'm not on that level, obviously, as, as Jacob Collier. Mm. But the harmonies... No, but, but, but the harmonies that my brothers and I did in the early days... Yeah. And uh, I, I've posted on my social media some of the songs that we recorded without auto-tune, without right. doubling. Right. And uh, it, I'm amazed at some of the stuff that we did. But it trained my ear. As, and you can relate, relate to this with Jeannie Arlen as your mom. You know, when you're around music, you train your ear. You know what harmony is. And this, this video that I was watching of Jacob Collier, he was explaining the different harmonies. On, on how right. you can get and, and how they all relate to each other. And he started at such a young age. That's the key. You train the ear at such a young age. So when you ask me about my, you know, growing up in childhood and stuff like that, I can't complain because yeah. I had such amazing training being around the best of the best. You know, I remember learning how to sing, you know, watching Sinatra uh, and, and being on the same show. But you were a, hanging or, with him. It wasn't you were watching him. You were hanging out with him. See, that's him. the interesting thing. As I look back on my life, I realize yeah. 
these people who were legends were my teachers because I was around them and, and I did shows with them and I never appreciated uh, to Because to it was a natural, it was a natural it was my thing life. for you. It was my life. Of I mean, people ask was. me, what's it like growing up in show business? It's I don't my know. normal. It's my norm. <laughs> you know? Right. It's, and well, uh, when I look back and people say, well, who, who was your favorite to work with? I mean... Bob Hope, Lucille Ball, you know, I learned, you know, just all about these learning comedy from Jerry Lewis and Milton Berle during the Donnie Marie stages of, of, of that stage of my life. But then I go back further and I, Henry Mancini was my pianist. And uh, a day, no, Henry Mancini was my conductor. Dave Grusin was my pianist. Nobody and good then. Nobody good. So in between shows at Caesar's <laughs> Palace, I'd say, hey, Dave. And I'm this little teeny kid, you know. Hi, hey, Dave. Dave. Hey, Dave, will you do me a favor? And he said, can you show me some chords? So Dave really? Grusin would sit me oh, down at the really? piano and show me chords and harmonies. And I, I realized what I was singing based upon what he was playing. And then I was able to put the two together. How did, how did music choose your family? I mean... Your father, um, you said, was semi-musical. Yeah. Your mother played the saxophone. But was there a plan? What was he formulating to thrust your brothers into the limelight? How did that come about? Pretty interesting story. And not a lot of people understand that, you know, they just thought, well, we just decided to get into the show business. Right. It was an, not it was campy. An, it was an economical thing. Uh, no as kidding. You, yeah, as my two oldest brothers, as you know, are hard of hearing. Mm -hmm. So uh, we had to buy them hearing aids and batteries and take, you know, take them to special schools. And so it was an economical thing where we had to pay for all this stuff. And not that my, my dad said, okay, you guys get to work. Right. Uh, there was just a natural tendency for harmonies, and one thing led to another. And um, another interesting little bit of a side story trivia yeah. you know the children's miracle network right of course it's it's everybody knows that my mom started mm -hmm. that your kid for some reason i thought your sister did no 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 well she claims your mom did she she claims she <laughs> she she created oh, everything oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh uh, she yeah. wrote the first song ever sung too so. i write the songs i wrote that one too <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, my mom. If you if you dig down deep enough, you understand that uh, wow. the Children's Miracle Network is under the auspices or umbrella of the Osmond Foundation. And so my mom created a foundation initially to help the hearing impaired because hmm. of my my brothers, and that just blossomed into just helping children in general all over the world, and it's become one of the largest, if not the largest, children's uh, uh, charity. But that, that was really the impetus of the whole show business thing is to help uh, pay for hearing aids for uh, Verl and Tom. Olive, get the kids out there on the stage. You let them yeah. harmonize for a minute. Get Make $20. <laughs> then come back and pick them up in a couple hours. 20? So we could have made 20? I was making <laughs> two. <laughs> so what is it like to make music with your brothers? You got your older brothers. Look, I'm the youngest, so I understand that growing up with older brothers and sisters, they were they mentors to you then as well? Alan was really the, the guy in charge. He was the oldest of the group and uh, of the five of us. 
And we would always look to Alan because there always had to be a leader on stage. Right. We couldn't have five leaders. Uh-huh. And even when, um, even when Andy Williams would tell us, okay, you guys are going to do this, you're going to do that, we'd get all this music from uh, George Weil and all these great writers back then. Earl Brown was a genius at harmonies, but he'd hmm. throw us these arrangements. And we'd look at all these little ants on this music, and it's like, there's too many ants here. And right. Alan would pluck out one note at a time, you know, because he knew how to read treble and uh, bass clef. I never learned bass clef. I just had to worry about the lead and, and sometimes the harmonies. Right. But we would sp- Paul, we would spend hours, pre- sometimes all day, behind this piano in our rehearsal hall. And uh, our mom would, huh. would bring us food, and you know, just so we could just keep going and not stop. But so your dad was your dad trying? How was he involved? He was more like a manager at that point in yeah. time. At that okay. point in time, he was kind of like manager. But then Don Williams, okay. Andy's Andy's brother, stepped in when things started going, and oh, eventually, right. okay, eventually the manager I have today, Jim Morey, was my manager back when I was about you nine have or ten. Years. Isn't that amazing? No. We parted ways and yep. started doing nothing. And then about, uh, I don't know, eight, nine years ago or something, we came back together. And we have plans, Paul. Do you? When, when this coronavirus thing ends. Yep. Um, of course, you never really know how the plans are going to go out. You can have great intentions, and then you just follow as, as you release it. But I'm so proud of this album. Uh, I've put together a show. That's ready to go as soon as the venues are ready to go. Right. And uh, it, it's the next stage of my life. You were part of the, a very important stage of my life when Soldier of Love came out. It's all about reinvention. Um, I apologize beforehand because I'm going to get a little philosophical here. Okay? Please do. That's what this show is all about, too, because everybody out there wants to know not the normal questions from the guests that I have. Right. The, I, because of our friendship, I, I, I would cherish that aspect of this interview big time. Well, there's a thing called the sigmoid curve. Have you ever heard of it? Sigmoid yes. curve? So everything, in my opinion, everything in life has a kind of a, um, a relationship with a sigmoid curve. It, I'll draw it in your, your way. A sigmoid is like an S. It comes up and then it, it goes out. So a career is the same way. You're, you're trying, you're building, you're building, and all of a sudden, if your product is good, which you got to make sure, it'll catch if you have the right. right momentum. And then everything's got a lifespan, and it, and it peaks. Donnie and Marie in Las Vegas, we experienced that. Um, let's see. <laughs> so many things are rushing in my head. Yep. Let's go to Donnie and Marie for a second. So we went there with a six-week contract. And we ended up 11 years later saying, okay, we have to reinvent something. But within that sigmoid curve of Donnie and Marie, we were peaking, right? Okay. So we created another sigmoid curve, and that was change the show. We got repeat business time and time again. And matter of fact, uh, during meet and greets, a lot of people would say, you know, this is our annual pilgrimage. We go on a trip, and the destination is Donnie and Marie. Mm. In fact, this one couple said... This is where we have spent all of our anniversaries for the last 11 years. This was uh, what we do. And now that you're leaving, we'll have to get a divorce. Because <laughs> we have no place to go. <laughs> and you're but, responsible, young man. I'm responsible. But the sigmoid curve was part of it. 
The reason I'm getting into that whole philosophical thing is that I'm starting a new sigmoid curve as soon as the coronavirus thing is over. Some of the people I'm writing with, there's, do you know who Amy Wodge is? I don't. Mm-mm. Amy Amy wrote um, Thinking Out Loud uh, with Ed Sheeran. Oh, man. Just, just amazing uh, writer. She's so uh, prolific in her lyrics. So I sent her an idea. I met her last January in Los Angeles before the whole corona thing hit. Mm-hmm. And she lives in Ireland, and she said, I want to do a song with you. I want to write with you. So I said, I'm going to come up with a concept, and I'll send it to you. I finally came up with it last Saturday in the shower. So I'm of singing. Of course. It's where everything is invented. <laughs> Either that or okay. some other portion of the bathroom. That's true. <laughs> bathroom is probably the most important room in the house. Yes. But I came up with this idea. I started singing, and Debbie was, was in the other room, and she heard me singing. She says, hey, what is that? And I'm not going to sing it for you right now. Right. But, but I said, I think this is the idea. And I came up with a lyric concept, and so I, I zoomed her, and uh, sounds painful. Lives, yeah, it was enjoyable. Um, <laughs> so she lives in Ireland, so I zoomed her over in Ireland, and and I said, I think I've got an idea. And so I mean, these, as you know, this is how things work. Sometimes it's painstaking, but other times songs write themselves. This song is currently writing itself, mm. and. Uh, so I sent her the idea. She sent me some lyrics back. I put it down a track and a rough vocal, sent it to her. She says, oh, my goodness. And she sent me something, and now it's in my court. So right after this interview, I'm going to lay down a vocal for this idea, and I think this is going to be what I will consider the killer, killer ballad on this album. There's some funk on it. There's some... Uh, I just did a song that... You know who Charlie Puth is? Mm-hmm. So... I, I hear I could hear Charlie singing this song, right? But I but I'm singing it. <laughs> Hello, thank but, you. So what I'm doing here is I'm not just creating an album. I'm creating a show. I'm creating a uh, such variety. But when I do a show, as you can understand, uh, sorry, I'm all over the place with with stuff. So come bear on. With me. Uh, but it's just the way my mind works. So it's a when terrible I do place it, to be. It's a horrible place. <laughs> <laughs> but when I create a show, I can't just perform the album. I have such a repertoire that people yeah. are wanting to hear. I mean, you look at all the different generations. The other sigmoid curve of, of my life was uh, mm. was uh, Mulan. Let's get down to business to defeat the Huns. Well, the there's, hum. a, there's a, a contingent of people that come to the show that want to hear that. So yep. I give them that. There's some that want to see the, and hear some of the Donnie and Marie stuff. you got to give them that. Some that, Pollywog, hmm. I've created a segment in my show. I don't know if I want to give it away yet. But give me a little bit. Just I'll not, give you a little bit. Out of the 62 albums, right? Yep. Anybody in this particular part of the uh, segment of the show can call out any song on any album. And boom, oh we do it my. just like that. I figured out the technology, I got it worked out, and how many songs there are, and it's not too laborious for the band or myself, but any song from any album, regardless of when it came out, of all 62 albums, I can do just like that. Just like you do the birthday thing in Vegas. Now, I've come yeah. into my research on your show. Brilliant. Yeah, just like that. Brilliant. Just like that. Yeah. 
That's but, fantastic, you know, man. I can't wait to see what you're you, doing. You know what's fun for me is that um, as hard as it's been to reinvent myself with these different sigmoid curves, um, sometimes people don't allow you to get out of a curve. And I went through a period of time, and you were with me, during Soldier of Love, where I really tried hard to break the image of Donnie and Marie. Or totally. the right. It was hard. Mm-hmm. It was hard. But you know what did it? Our music. When, when we got up on stage and we had the most killer sound, the, our band was so tight that when we started playing, I, I get comments today that people uh, saw that uh, Soldier of Love tour and people say, what got me was the music. And that probably, Paul, is the most important thing to me because some people love being a celebrity and they'll do anything to be a star. Right. And they'll put out schlock just to be popular. And we see that in social media. Right. Then there are the artists who say, okay, hold on. Is the song good? I've been through the schlock. You listen to some of the albums that I've done. You know, I did a, I did an album called Disco Train. Oh my god! Oh. What was I thinking? Well, I wasn't thinking. What about? That wasn't Disco Train. That was oh, a good one. Disco. No, that was that was a good one compared to Disco Train. I like that song. Could, you've always made fun deep, of that song. Deep, 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 deep purple. Well, yeah, yeah, well, you know, that was a great song. Well, I thought so, too. But uh, the so challenge. Schlock. So no schlock I, for you. I've been through the schlock. Okay. In fact, um, I remember going into a studio to do vocals on songs that I just heard five minutes before. Mm. You know, my producer at the time just said, just sing this, just sing that, just, just whatever you do, it'll go gold. It went gold. It sold. But yeah. I paid the price afterwards, and then you got to rebuild with a different sigmoid. And that's what this album's going to do, hopefully. So credibility or longevity, what exactly would you call that? I mean, if you're, you're picking the right material for you at the time, I mean, th- th- those songs probably served a purpose. Very, very good point, Paul. They served a purpose because... It meant a lot to a specific generation of, and yeah, I didn't have the guys back then, the girls, right. the little t- prepubescent sure. girls. They were in there listening to those records time and time and time, over and over and over again. In fact, and I think you told, I think I told you this experience, but I'll tell you again. You were with me. What am I thinking? You were actually with me. Well, tell me, we, did I? We, was I? Did I have fun? We had. A, <laughs> it was during the Soldier of Love tour. And we were in New Jersey. I, I can't remember the theater. Red Bank? The Count Basie Theater, I think it was. Count Basie. So um, we were doing the show, and everybody kept yelling, Sing Poppy Love! Sing Poppy Love! And All that right. just really irked me. And you knew how much it was irking me. Because the music we were giving them was anything but what I did in the past. So finally, right. I turned around to you, since you were my music director, and uh, I said, stop. And you stopped the band. I don't know if you remember this moment. But I said, I walked up to you. I said, guys, give me a heavy metal version of Puppy Love. <laughs> <laughs> and, and everybody started laughing. And, you go, nah, 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 and I hit the floor. And they call it Puppy Love! And I'm hitting the floor. <laughs> right. 
Wait, I do remember that. It was fantastic. I do remember that. We were loving it. We were laughing. And every, some people in the audience were obligatorily laughing. Right. Because, because right. after the show, you guys were in the bus, and I was the last one to get out. And I walked out of the stage door, and this fan stopped me. And she said, why did you make fun of Puppy Love? I said, mm-hmm. well, it's my song. I can do whatever I want to with it. And <laughs> Right. Right. And then she said something that stopped me in my tracks, Paul. She said, you may have had a hit with that song, but that song was a big part of my childhood memories, and you have no right to mess with my memories. Ooh. So See, when, they serve a purpose. So when you right? say schlock, yeah, maybe at a period of time in my life, I look back and say, that's schlock. You know, some of the songs were just average, but it did serve a purpose. And so what I've been able to do in my life is now embrace every single one of those albums, including Disco Train. In fact, in the new show, I'll make sure that I have Disco Train ready if somebody asks for it. And I'll do an amazing version of that song. Wow. I look back. I'm sorry. I mean, (laughs) I'm not letting you ask me questions, but I look back at some of the things in my life, and I've been doing this a long time, one of the hardest moments of my career was doing a show called Little Johnny Jones. It was uh, a Broadway play at the Alvin Theater. It's not called the Alvin Theater anymore. I think it's La Fontaine. But we opened and closed the same night. When you open and close the same night on Broadway, that just didn't go away. That becomes part of your history. Sure does. Failure. 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 It was a huge failure. And it was that point, and now that I look back on it in history, in my history, it was one of the most important parts of my career. Because it was then I realized I have to start a sigmoid curve. I have to Did start. Did you know it was that when you were doing that? Um, no. no. I figured that out. Later. Okay. I'm going to interrupt you here because I've known you a long time. You know what you are? We're going to break away for a second here so I can tell you about a couple really important items. Number one, we have a brand new highlights page on YouTube. We want you to check it out. It's especially made by our intern, Jake Miller, for people who don't have quite enough time to sit through the entire video podcast. It's a great way to catch up on some great tidbits of information from all of our guests. You're going to have to search for it, I'm afraid, just simply because we need more subscribers on there in order for us to get a custom URL. But it's Music on the Run Highlights. You know what else is on there, you guys? A brand new feature that we've been doing strictly on Fridays. It's called Funk Friday. Got to have a little funk for your weekend. We feature great musicians, some former guests, some future guests. And it's a little one to two minute vignette of us jamming and funking out. And it's a great way to kick off your weekend. It's called Funk Fridays every Friday. Check it out. It's on the Music on the Run Highlights Reel. And of course, you'll find it on Facebook and Instagram as well. All right, let's get back to the interview. You know what you are? You're competitive. <laughs> That's, that should you, be my middle name. No, it, you you are. It's like, what? This closed in one night? All right, let me at him. You know, I mean, you 
And I was going to ask you about reinventing. You already touched on it a little bit. You are such a great example of someone who has been successful but has gone through it. I mean, look, you were a teeny bop idol selling out all over the world. That went away. Then you got to reinvent yourself because of your competitive edge. I think mm-hmm. that kept you sharp. And then you, you are a doer. Well, I can't agree with you, you more. You are a doer. I, and, and, and never say die. It's got to be quality. It's got to be the best. I th- is, do you think that's a large contributor to your success? Yeah, I do. I think that's, that's uh, really cool that you see that. Because without that competitive edge, um, you settle for status quo. And you hit a plateau. And you stay there for the rest of your life. And maybe that's something you want to do. That's fine. I, I can't do that. Um, I always have to climb another mountain. There will be a day where I, I don't want to climb any more mountains. But there'll be something else in my life where I'm competitive. But I do have to win. You uh, sure do. Not, not at any price. You know, I no. Don't ever, because no, no. those kinds of people lose sight of the most important things in their life. They're, they're, they're family. You know, that's the first thing that they'll lose with that. I got to win at any price. But, you know, we talked about little Johnny Jones and it was, it was the impetus for change. In fact, it was about 10 years almost to the month from that closing to the opening of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And I opened with a six month contract. Is this mid nineties? Mid nineties? 92. And we closed in 90, in 82, I believe it was in Johnny Jones. And... Um, I had a six-month contract, and I thought, how, how are we going to do this for six months? Six years later, I, th- I thought, i got to do another sigmoid. i got to figure out what I'm going to do next. And right. that's when we went and did the television show that you were part of uh, with me, with the Donnie and Marie talk show. Uh, you were part what of a, I- a lot of very important things in my life, Pollywog. Well, I'm your little brother. I, I mean, I'm honored about that. I'm telling you that initial connection... That we had in New York is, yeah. I don't take that for granted. I mean, I don't need to talk to you for months, but when we we talk again, it's like no, no time has passed. That's so true. Uh, it, it really is, and that's that is uh, a luxury. It's a wonderful friendship, and you and I are lucky to have that. We are, I think, we really, especially in show business, because a lot of things in show business are fake, aren't they? Boy, are they ever! Yeah, there's so Wait. many fake people. You, you mentioned something to me that I want to, unless you were right in the middle of a story and I interrupted you. No, no. When I say this name, I want you to tell me what this person means to you. Debbie Osman. Mm. She saved my life. Literally. I was in a bad How so? place. How so? A little while ago. I mentioned the fact that I would go from these huge arenas of screaming, thousands of screaming girls to a hotel room that was just complete silence. And because of my faith, my, my religious background, obviously I, I didn't fool around until I was uh, uh, committed to somebody and, and got married. So I, I, and I didn't have the social aspect that... Uh, a lot of other people had that we talked about earlier by not going to school. So I had some really difficult times in my life that, uh, of loneliness, I guess is the sure. word I'll use. 
And she came along when I was 16 years old. She was 15. Yeah. And um, I really needed, I needed that. I mean, we had a, a very close family, but I needed that companionship. And so we dated for three and a half years secretly. And, oh. uh, yeah. And finally, in 1978, uh, we got married. And uh, What were you, 12? I, yeah, I was barely 12. <laughs> no, I was barely 20, and she was 19. God, we were little man. babies. And we started our family. Babies making babies, basically. Right. And uh, it was the best thing that I could ever did in my life because it gave me balance. It gave me something to go home to after I worked really hard out on the road. And uh, she gave me that. Uh, in fact, this song I was just talking to you about that I'm writing with Amy Wodge, I hit a brick wall, as we do, all right? Uh -huh. and, and you know that. Yes. And guess who got me through the brick wall? Debbie. Right. We woke up, and it was, um, it was just a couple days ago. She said, why don't you try this? And I... Never thought of doing that particular thing, so I came in here in my studio and tried that, and I said, oh, my goodness, that's perfect. I sent it off to Amy. She said, oh, my goodness, where did you come up with that? I said, Debbie? <laughs> you should have said, I thought of it all myself. She didn't help me a bit. No, it's me. <laughs> that's that competitive edge, right? No, that's she, right. Uh, no one helped she, me. She's been able to give me... A, a different perspective on life when show business can really give you a twisted perspective uh, on, on many subjects. You know, I love what I do, Paul. We love we love getting out on stage. We love creating music. That's what you and I do in our lives. Right. But without our wives, um, it, we don't have that stability, you know, that, that sure foundation. And, that uh, is the word. Yeah. That is, you hit it right there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Thanks yep, to them. She's something else. How many? How many years now? What did you say? Forty-two. I'm coming up on on thirty in October with Julie. You'll never catch me. <laughs> no, I'm not going to catch you. But congratulations to you. Well, thank you, and to you, yeah. you too as well. And it's not easy, you know. It's you, you hit those difficult times, nope. but it's worth it. You know, Julie always says something to me, and we we've seen some of our friends go through this. Uh, at our age, where they're splitting up, yeah, and I'm just like, really, really, things are worth fighting for and working out. In there my opinion, certain, I mean, I'm sure there are situations where course, you know yeah. that's that's the only alternative, and I my heart goes right. out to to those individuals because that's the only alternative they have. Mm -hmm. But but sometimes, you know, you've really got to work hard because if you work hard and you receive the benefits, you appreciate the benefits so much more. Big time. Hey, I want to bring you back to 1998 when I yeah. was in, I w it was the Donnie and Marie television show. Yeah. 98. Am I, is that right? We, st we started at 98. And no, 90, 90, end of 98, I think you're right, is when we started. Okay. So you called me on the phone. We're buddies. And you said, Polly Woggle. Of course, that's my name, in case mm -hmm. you didn't realize that. Polly Woggle. Polly Woggle. I'm going to do a television show. Do you want to come out and play bass? And I, I had young kids at the time, and I looked at yeah. Julie. I was like, I so want to say yes. I didn't say a word to her. I looked at her, told her the situation. I said, honey, 
Donnie just asked me to move to L.A. and do a television show with him and his sister. Hmm. And I thought for sure she was going to say, absolutely not. She said, as long as you get me help, you go there because otherwise you'll regret that you didn't do it. So wow. she was instrumental in, and again, we're talking about our wives again. That's right. She supports, our wives have supported us in a goofy business, but that time out there and hanging with you, not only musically, um, but also we were roommates for a short amount of time, mm-hmm. which was unbelievable. Polly Walker, why don't you just come over here? I'm never here. I fly back home all the time. I'm like... <laughs> Okay. That was unbelievable. But one thing, the reason I bring that up, buddy, is that at that point in my life, I was still a little bit of a wild man partying Mm -hmm. and doing all sorts of stuff. And you were gone. It was the NAMM show. And I got pulled over and got a DUI. I remember this. I I was mortified to tell my roommate and who happened to be my boss at the time. <laughs> you know, can you imagine what would be going through my brain at that? I'm like, oh, I'm going I'm to get fired. And I think I, you and I spoke about it, and you wrote me the most supportive, incredible, man-to-man note that, that uh, changed everything, man. I mean, you really helped me through a rough patch in my life, and I love you for that yeah, and many other things too. but bro that was that was unbelievable well you know i we talk about being friends that's what friends do you know they support and there's there's nothing there's no facade between the two of us and um but i understood what what a hard time you were going through especially you know letting your friends and and your family down when when things like that happen but oh. look at you now look what you've done you pulled yourself 21 out. years baby dude so proud of you. 21 years. So proud of you, man. <laughs> yeah, but you could have very, very easily have gone, I can't associate with that. You and Get the heck out of my house, first of all. <laughs> what are you doing? I mean, you let me into your house drinking coffee, whatever. You know, yeah, yeah. Not doing those and things. And spilling but that you, coffee on my carpet. Oh, my God. Do we want to open up that conversation? Yeah, I think. And I left, brief- that, coffee, I left that coffee stain in there for years. <laughs> it was called the Polywog Area. So we're doing a vocal at his house. I don't remember what record we were working on, but uh, once again, I'm staying at your house in Provo, and I get up, I'm like, dude, can I borrow your bike? I want to get a cup of coffee, because there's no coffee in your house, okay? No, no. And I need coffee. I'm highly caffeinated. I'm highly caffeinated. So I go on your little bike, come back, and I have two larges, because I need them in the studio. That's right. One goes on your rug, and one goes in my belly. Right. And... uh, yeah, I was pretty happy with myself. <laughs> and so was Debbie. <laughs> oh, m- mortified on that beautiful white carpeting in yeah. your living room, I believe, right? I never forget, Dad, what's the stain on the carpet? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it, son. Oh, oh. We'll, we'll, get, we'll take care of it one of these days. One word for you, polywoggle. It's, poly- you're, it's you're- a polywog area. You want to know what's funny about your children is that when you would bring them out on the road, you know, I, I, I have, I take great pride in the fact that we are close and that I have warped your mind. Although I think that you were warped before we met. I think we were you, both warped. But we have, we're, we're strange little ducks and mm-hmm. we egg each other on and it's hilarious and uh, it, 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 it just goes to show you uh, that, uh, 
you know, we have a good time when we're together on the road, and that's what it's all about. And one of the things with music on the run is how do you survive being on the road? So let's let's move into that aspect because all right. actually this is called music on the run, and one of the things that we want to talk about is survival on the road. How do you stay in such good shape when you're away from home all the time? Especially let's let's, let's talk more about what you were doing recently, and that is the Donnie and Marie show in Vegas. Right. Well, um, you always have to have a workout regimen. You always have to be pushing yourself. It's I guess again that's the competitive edge of mine. Number one, you are what you eat, okay? And uh, so I really try to eat healthy, but sometimes you can't. Um, but the show itself, the way I perform, I exert so much energy. I'm all over totally. the stage. Um, I'm not as crazy as what Mick Jagger used to do, but I'm, I'm pretty close to just like... I mean, I'm dripping with sweat after every show. When people see my performances, they know I leave it all on stage. You do, buddy. And, um, I mean, you've, you've experienced that. So that in and of itself um, keeps me in shape. But I have to point back to Joseph and the amazing technical of Dreamcoat. I was in pretty good shape before I started that. But it was that regimen that I had to go through every day. And I went through every single day going to the gym except Sundays. And uh, because when you're wearing a loincloth on stage, it's motivation to, to work out. <laughs> I was out. with you during this time. I remember yeah. that. You're like, ah. Yeah. Well, Wasn't I was, that Sony Sony Pictures? And you belonged to the gym at Sony when we were taping there, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. 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 I, I remember that. All the time. And even if I don't have a gym, I'm, I'm doing push-ups or sit-ups or something in the in the hotel room. Just, but But most importantly, it's about what you eat and how much you eat. You know? There's some times where... Uh, I forget to eat when I'm involved oh, in a project. Yeah. I mean, you probably do the same thing. Debbie has to actually come and, and knock on the door here and, and just say, have you eaten today? And I realize, no, I forgot. Yeah. Because, and this, this probably is another way of answering your question. How do you handle things on the road? Yep. Well, it would be really difficult, Pollywog, if I didn't enjoy what I do. And if it was a, a real challenge to get out there on stage, now sometimes, as you, and you know, you've experienced it as well, you're sick, you don't feel good, and you're tired, whatever, and you have to get out there on stage. But there's something that happened to me during the first day of rehearsals of Joseph that changed my life and changed my perspective of show business. And that is Stephen Pimlot, who was, or the late Stephen Pimlot, a great Shakespearean director, directed Joseph uh, and the Amazing Technical Dreamcoat. And we started talking philosophically about the show and how I'm going to approach this show. And he started asking me about the early days, as you did, of performing with my brothers. And I said, basically, in a nutshell, you know, these people, they bought a ticket, and it's my job to entertain them and turn on as soon as the curtains open. He said, what? Stop. I said, what do you mean? He said, you got it all backwards. <laughs> really? He said, it's not your job. They bought a ticket for that seat. They didn't buy you. Your only job is to go out there and have a good time. And they're lucky enough to be able to peek into this world that you're having a blast in. That whole perspective changed 
everything for me. So when I go on stage now, and sometimes, you know, I work and you have to work, you have to work hard. Mm. But you have to stop and you say, are you enjoying what you're doing? Sometimes they're here in this vocal booth. I get so frustrated. Why isn't this idea coming? Why isn't this song uh, developing the way I want it to? And then I stop and say, are you enjoying being who you are? Are you enjoying what you're doing? So Perspective, when you, baby. Yep. And so when you say, how do you survive out on the road? It's hard being away from home. It's hard, you know, going from hotel to hotel, waking up. You know, what's, what city am I in now? You have to look right. at the, the, you know. But then you say to yourself in those hard times, do you enjoy this? Here's another little tidbit of information. There's nothing like failure, like uh, little Johnny Jones, as we talked about earlier, there's nothing like those moments to make the sweet moments better. And during those difficult moments out on the road, you stop and think, how did you feel during the closing night of, of little Johnny Jones? How did you feel when you released this record and there was no action at radio? How did you feel when all of these things come, have to come into your mind and say, get perspective on what you're doing. You're going out on stage and you're creating music. You're taking period. these, period, you're taking these period. people in the palm of your hand. Uh, I remember watching Elvis Presley um, in Vegas. He had the audience right in the palm of his hand, and I studied him. How is he doing mm. this? He's having the time of his life because he's the king on stage, and people are just lucky enough to be able to peek into that world. And all of these things, because of experience in my life, has taught me, be, be, be grateful. Yeah, you're out on the road, and it's hard, and it's all this stuff. You're making music. You're making people happy. Another quote that Stephen Pimlot gave me, he said, this, this will change your, your whole life. Just this saying right here. Are you ready? The theater is a place where people come to dream in public, and you're in charge of that dream. <laughs> oh, is that beautiful? Isn't that prolific? Oh. And, and when you walk on stage and you realize... I'm in charge of this dream right now. You know, you take it seriously, at least you should take it seriously, and then you start singing, and then you create music. And I mean, sometimes I just close my eyes when I, when I sing, and some people think, you know, open your eyes, whatever, you know. No, I go into another world. You've right. experienced that. Every oh, musician oh, has experienced oh, yeah. that. It's another language that we, we start speaking, and all those people in the and audience... Everybody understands it. That's exactly. It's, world, it's, it's a language that everybody understands worldwide. Mm -hmm. And so many people would love to be in your shoes when you're there on stage creating music. You know what, Donnie? Uh, Billy, the Planet Willard, my brother, mm -hmm. he, he has that same philosophy and he's, of course, taught me so much. He says, get out of your own way. <laughs> oh, man. I learned that, too. Get out of your own way. Just let it come, man. But you and I are men of faith. We allow to have that come through us and get into the people who are in that audience because that's a gift that we've been given, man. That's right. There's no two ways about that. Let let the it's, let the music flow out of you. Let don't get out of your own way. I love that. That's perfect. Here's another one. Here, just another Planet Willardism. We we play. We don't work. It's not. Uh, in, in the music business, we go to play. We play our instruments. We don't work our instruments. That's right. You know, so we play. We don't work. If you remember that, because 
as you've said, and and I've, as I've watched your career and, of course, researched for this, I see all the different things that could have totally made your life miserable. <laughs> and you are one of the, I must say, one of the very few people who is fairly unscathed mm. by the whole thing because of your mental approach to it, because you realize what these things are, um, because you're competitive, because you want to continue doing quality, good work, because you have the support of your wife. All of these factors, in my opinion, have made you the guy that you are, and you and everybody says, what's Donnie Osmond really like? And I'm like, go watch him. That's really him. <laughs> he smells kind of bad. It does, yeah, that's the fact. i got to work on that. There's a little smell factor if you get too close. But... <laughs> It's not good. He should bathe more. That I learned from you. <laughs> thank you. I, I, well, thank right. you for the compliment. I, I appreciate that. I really you do. Are, no, really. I mean, you could you could be a di very different guy. You could have, Debbie, once again, to the rescue, uh, your faith to the rescue. You could have been a, going through those, those uh, peaks and valleys. You could have been a drug addict. Dude, I mean, so many of our friends have gone down that, that road. And what do you attribute to being able to be so level-headed through all that? Well, first thing that comes to my mind, besides, first of all, thank you for the compliment, is that we... Five bucks. We, we both, are, <laughs> we both are, are people of faith. And if you keep that in perspective, you're, all of the things that you are blessed with come from on high. And... Big time. If you're grateful for it, those blessings can continue if God willing and uh, if you keep acknowledging your your gratefulness you know that uh, God is willing to to bless us and mm. give us these talents and these opportunities um, and maybe somebody would love to be in show business but they don't have that God-given talent well they're they've been given different kinds of talents and as long as we can always respect deity and uh, and, and remember the example of, of Jesus Christ. I mean, I don't want to turn this into a religious discussion because so many people... No, but this a is you. ...a personal thing, but this is me. This and is you, and that's what I want. I follow uh, the life of Jesus Christ, and he was very humble, but he wasn't weak. He was a very, very strong man. He had confidence with humility. And it's a, it's a fine line to have confidence with humility because when you go on stage... And again, I learned this from Elvis, was that you go on stage not saying, oh, I hope you like my music. I hope you like this song. I hope you... No, 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 no. You go out there saying, you're going to love this. You're absolutely going <laughs> to... It's attitude. <laughs> this is... This, you're going to love this. I mean, you look at a guy like James Brown, you know, he, with all of his problems, he came out... He was like, you know, the best on stage because mm -hmm. he believed in them. Everyone who you admire on stage... Um, comes out there with confidence. Some people right. take it way too far. I won't give mm -hmm. you any examples that I've had with some of these individuals, but they take it way too far and they forget that when the curtain closes, you put your pants on one leg at a time just like everybody else. Right. I love I love this one experience. I love coming home and doing the domestic things, taking the garbage out, mowing the lawn, just doing the things that 
everybody else does, right? I don't have servants to, to do all those but you, things. But you're a gearhead, and you like wiring your studios. You like gadgets. You like yeah. mowers. I, you I, like that everything. kind of stuff. You're well, into that. I was on my mower. This has been a long time ago when Mulan first came out. And I was out mowing on my lawn, and, and this little neighbor, neighbor kid named Tanner, he comes walking home from school with his backpack on. And he waves, hey, Uncle Donnie. Every, all the little kids in the neighborhood call me Uncle Donnie. Uncle Donnie, I shut the lawnmower off. I said, hey, Tanner, how you doing? He says, hey, last night I went and saw that movie, Mulan. You were great. You should do more of that. You'd be a star someday. <laughs> and I thought. Out of the mouth of babes. I love that. I love oh, yeah. that. You know, just it keeps you humble. <laughs> I'm going to. I'm going to wrap it up a little bit because I know I want to be respectful of you. Well, yeah, I got to go mow the lawn. Yeah. Yeah. You need to get out to your tractor, but I need to ask about your brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. How is everybody doing? Well, they're all getting up there in age, uh, obviously. So are you, by the way. Yeah, so am I. uh, (laughs) You'll always be older than me. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Well, but everybody's doing great. Oh, by the way, wait, wait. What color is my shirt? What color is it? You know, I wore this. You know, I've worked with two guys who have a color associated with them. Mm-hmm. Purple, that is, Prince, and you. Yeah. So but see, here's, you, the, my here's the thing. I had purple long before Prince claimed purple. But he's, So uh, I'm, I'm, I played with the originator then. I know. And I'm honoring <laughs> you. I'm honoring you today with the purple shirt. I'll never forget meeting him. And uh, obviously you knew him better than I did but uh, um, we were working on a song I don't know if you remember this we were at Paisley we, at, you at me Paisley. and Ricky at yeah. Paisley we were working on a song up in that room on ADATS and uh, we, um, I walk into the control room and it was the most interesting conversation because there are certain people who are so cerebral and when they look at you it's like they're looking through you Peter Gabriel did that to me as well he, mm. he, he was a uh, one of the executive producers of one of the albums. It was Soldier Love album is, is basically mm. is the one he was. And he would walk into the studio when I was over at, uh, in Box, um, over in England. Um, and he would come in and just drop the strangest ideas. And I thought, okay, that is weird. But guess what? We did it and it worked. Prince was See? the same way where when it came to music, he was like, okay, so focused. And he knew exactly what he wanted to do. And he was a genius. I mean, there's Michael Jackson. I knew him so well. Of course and, he did. And he, uh, he was so focused on his music. There's the key. Those, those people who are very successful in this industry, you know, they don't, they don't sing and record music or albums and things like that to be a star. They, they want it because they're an artist. And there's right. a big difference. Oh, boy, is there yeah. ever, man. Yeah. Go back to your brothers and sisters. Everybody's okay. getting up there. I interrupted you. Okay, everybody, I still have everyone. I haven't lost any of my siblings, thank goodness. Thank God. So it goes from Verl down to Tom and then Alan. Uh, unfortunately, Alan got MS years ago, but he has got the most amazing attitude. He's such an inspiration in my life. And then Wayne. What's that? 
good guy, I said. He's, he's a great guy. I love your brothers, man. I, I had so much fun with him. Yeah. And then there's Wayne, who is, he, he unfortunately had a brain tumor, and they operated it. It was a successful operation, but he lost his hearing, so he can't sing anymore. What? Yeah. Oh, my. And so he, he's completely retired from, from show business, but again, great attitude. He's a comedian, isn't he? He's yeah. funny. Just walk in the room, you start laughing. And then... <laughs> And then there's Meryl. He still he goes out there every once in a while and 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 does some gigs. And Good. then uh, and Jay, I think he's pretty much retired from show business as well. Okay. And then and then that's me. And then Marie, she's got her television show that she's doing on the talk, and she does a great job. And uh, and then Jimmy, unfortunately, how is Jimmy? Yes. Yeah, how is for he those doing? who don't know, he was performing in in England, and in what they call a pantomime. And during the show, he had a stroke. Ugh. And um, here's the strange thing about it. He kept going. He kept performing. What? Uh-huh. And uh, right after he, afterwards, he went to the hospital. And uh, unfortunately, there were no doctors there. And so he, he had um, kept having a stroke. And they came at 6 in the morning, I believe, and, and helped him. But he was here at the house yesterday. He's progressing. Uh, okay. It's a long process. And mm. he's progressing faster than a lot of people thought he would. But you know how some people have strokes and they end up in a very, very bad place. Jimmy is in a very, very good place. He still has this sense of humor and yeah. his love. And he's still my little young brother and he's got all those memories. None of that was taken from him. So, good. Thank God. Yeah. Please give everybody my best. Will I will. Tell them I love them and your, your kids and your lovely wife, your better half. Yes, for sure. I One thing will. I want to re remind you of. Before your dad died, we were hanging out, probably the band and everything. He came, pulled me aside, and he said, you take care of my son. Oh, really? Talking about when we were out on the road. You take good care of him. Watch out for him. And I always watch out for you, man. That's cool. Yeah, he was, he was a Isn't great man. Isn't that cool? Great guy. He sure was. Great guy. What's up next? What's up next for you? The record's coming, and then you've got some surprise shows. What else? The record. Well, that's I'm fo totally focused on the album right now. It's finishing. That's my a number one priority. But as I'm as I said earlier, this album is not just a bunch of music. It's the show. So I'm creating the show along with it. Um, it's it's a technological nightmare with all the stuff that I want to get done on this show. Perfect for you. Oh, but it's it's right up my alley. <laughs> It's totally up your alley. You will then, thrive and win, by there the way, because you're a competitive I am. son of a gun. So some of the guys that I'm working with to help me with this, they think, that's impossible. I said, that's what you think, and we're going to get it done. And uh, we, we will get it done, so it's going to be a cool show. Very entertaining. Um, I, I'm just having so much fun creating this next sigmoid, sigmoid curve of mine. It's going to be so much fun and satisfying, too, because I'm not trying to prove anything other than uh, the artistry that uh, God has given me. Have a good time doing it, man, and everybody loves you so much. My whole family sends you their love. You know, uh, your Minnesota mom was my mom. She loved you like a son. There will never she, be another Jeannie Arlen. She was just gold. Yeah, she wasn't. Yeah. So Patty I Linda, called her my Minneapolis mom. You sent her flower. Okay, quick story, and then I promise I'll let you go. Okay. She's she's on her deathbed. You sent the most beautiful bouquet of flowers. Mom was drifting in and out of consciousness. Yeah. The nurses brought this in, and and I think someone uh, asked her. One of the nurses asked her, 
who are those from? And she went, my son, Donnie Osmond. And they were like, sure, <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Isn't that cute? And then sure enough, the card says from your Minnesota son, or from your Utah son or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember. But she loved you and we all love you, brother. I can't wait to see what's next after this COVID thing. Thank Say you. hello to everybody for me and thanks for coming on Music on the Run. I sure appreciate it. Thanks, Polywog. All right, that's it. Music on the Run was hosted by yours truly, St. Paul Peterson. Edited and produced by my buddy, Davide Razzo. Video editing by Ivan Sebastianov. And a very special thanks to the people who financially support this podcast. And remember, I'm definitely going running tomorrow in my purple Donnie socks. <laughs>